fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Welcome back to Scary Tales. Welcome back. Hannah, is something wrong with your voice? It's been a rough week. It has been a rough week. I know we promised Hannah would be back this week. Last week, she lost her voice. Uh, This week, I was exposed to COVID. And even though Chase and I tested negative, we are just not going to risk that since Hannah's pregnant. And we're trying to put out an episode every uh, Tuesday this month because it's something special because we love Halloween. So Chase was very nice to fill in for us. Are you excited? And terrified. And terrified. You should be. Do you know what we're talking about today? It's rumored that it's Bloody Mary. It is. It is Bloody Mary. And um, one more thing. We'll be back next week with, hopefully, unless something else goes wrong, with the celebration of Hannah and I's one-year anniversary. So until then, you can uh, stick around and listen to the origins of Bloody Mary. So I'm going to hit you with a definition first. You can add it to your bank, and it's kind of like word of the week, and you can use it throughout the week if you must. And that is catoptromancy, which is the act of divination using a mirror. Ever heard of that? Erised? The mirror of Erised. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's a Harry Potter reference. Um, I do appreciate that. How did you, or did you play the game of Bloody Mary growing up? Is that where you stand in front of a mirror and say something about red rum? <laughs> Am I cross-pollinating stories here? Yes. You never stood in front of a mirror and played Bloody Mary? I'm vaguely familiar. Remind me. Okay. So I played it. You would go in a bathroom specifically, turn off the lights, spin around three times, say Bloody Mary three times. And then when you open your eyes, her bloody form would appear in the mirror. Mm, I'm familiar. Mm -hmm. So that's how I played. But in general, the rules are you must be in a completely dark room, only lit by a candle, either completely dark or lit by a candle. The summoner must repeat the spirit's name a number of times. In my life, it was three times. Some people do it 13 times. Some people even call her something different. The variations including Bloody Mary, Hell Mary, Mary Jane, Mary Worth, or Mary Wells. I've always heard it as Bloody Mary, though. And then some people don't just say her name. They say a phrase like, I believe in Bloody Mary, or I killed Bloody Mary, something like that. How did that work out? I never, I, I didn't wait around to see. So then she appears in some stories. She scratches your eyes out. Some stories she just screams at you. Or even sometimes, and most terrifying, she appears holding a dead baby or promises to come after your baby. Mm. So you didn't experience any of those things. Nope. Is there a bloody male bathroom ghost? Bloody Larry. Bloody Larry. <laughs> oh, Stay tuned for the origins of Bloody Larry. But uh, anyways, in Japan, they have a similar legend, and it is called Hanako-san, which means Hanako of the toilet. And in their culture, a young girl 
They say she was either killed in World War II air raids or by a parent or stranger. She appears in the mirrors of school bathrooms when you shout her name. Mm. So it sounds very similar to Moaning Myrtle, which is another Harry Potter reference. Yep. Let us know in the comments what you heard as a child. Did you hear about Bloody Mary or Bloody Larry or maybe a combo of both? Let us know. So as we do here on Scary Tales, we're going to break down where this ritual comes from. And as always, there's multiple inspirations behind this. And of course, we got to start out with the Greeks. They're the ones who inspire everything. So in ancient Greece, they would look into a mirror to foresee the future. And if they saw a healthy appearing person in the mirror, that meant that they were going to have a great healthy life. However, if they were unlucky, they would see a monstrous and terrifying woman, meaning that their death, they were knocking on death's door took it to the next level bloody mary specifically is thought to have evolved from much older mere divination rituals the most popular being back in the 1800s and 1900s a woman was supposed to walk up the stairs backwards in a dimly lit room holding a candle in one hand and a mirror in the other and when she got to the top of the stairs she would look in the mirror and either see her future spouse or the grim reaper meaning she would die unmarried or one and the same Yoke. Chase. Yeah. Oh, he's just smirking over there. He doesn't mean it. It was also said during the 19th century that if you stared into a mirror too long, the devil would appear, which I feel like is just a commentary on vanity itself, not to stare into the mirror too long. Mm-hmm. It was not until the 1970s, however, that examples of Bloody Mary legends were first published in print, the first of them being in a children's folklore in 1976 not sure how this you could spin this to be a children's story but uh then secondly in 1978 a academic there was an academic writing by Jeanette Longloy and that was the first writings of Bloody Mary in literature so another unique spin of the legend you can't relate to this it is the ritual is it is that the ritual was an initiation into womanhood so it come there's blood involved it's normally in a bathroom it's normally a girl's uh, coming of age, mm-hmm. 13, 14. So it could have been a evolved from that, a coming of age ritual. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then it is argued that Bloody Mary, as we know her today, what you and I learned, that legend originated in the USA after World War II, which makes sense. A bunch of women are at home, maybe nothing to do. I don't know. Yeah. But that's where we get it from. Now, there are several historical figures who are thought to be the inspiration behind Bloody Mary herself. Are you ready? Can't wait. Okay. So the first is Queen Mary the First. You ever heard of her? Yes. Queen Mary was known as Bloody Mary, and I'm going to tell you why. So if you didn't know, she was born on February 18th, 1516, and she was the only surviving child of King Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon. Uh, Fun fact, when she was just two, she was engaged to the son of the King of France, and that was later terminated, and then she was betrothed at the age of six to Charles V, who was her cousin, and that was also broken off, and she wouldn't marry until later, but that's interesting that they would be betrothed at such a young age. We were just talking about this Mm -hmm. at lunch earlier. We were. How common it was incest uh, to preserve bloodlines. Mm -hmm. And and we'll get to more of that later, but... uh, Yeah, so during her teen years, Mary suffered from terrible menstrual pain and irregular cycles, which again, we talked about how this could have been a ritual that was birthed out of the 
coming of age and um she they didn't have my doll and pampering and stuff back then so i imagine that that could have wrecked your life if especially if you had something like endometriosis and we'll talk about later they do think she had something like that so she grew up as a beloved princess but her father was not pleased king henry the eighth didn't sound like a nice dude he probably wasn't pleased at anything but he needed a male heir to the throne so when mary was 17 her father became obsessed with anne boleyn the one and only anne boleyn was actually catherine mary's mother's maid of honor so she snuck in there uh in order to divorce Mary's mother, King Henry VIII had to separate from the Catholic Church because they did not believe in divorce. And to do this, he made himself the head of the Church of England, which was like a Protestant religion. Basically, just so he could ha- get married as many times as he wanted to. So, Catherine, Mary's mother, was sent away from court, and Mary, from what I read, never saw her again. Uh, Henry went on to marry Anne Boleyn, who disappointed him yet again with another daughter named Elizabeth, who would also become queen later on. And Anne Boleyn was worried that Mary threatened Elizabeth's line to the throne, and so she pushed Parliament to have Mary declared illegitimate. And it worked for a while, and Mary was demoted to just being a lady. But we all know what happened. Uh, King Henry accused Anne Boleyn of treason, and she was eventually beheaded several of his wives do you remember how many of them were beheaded i don't like but I feel two like or that's three a, that's a classic move if yeah somebody's inconvenient chop their head off yeah especially back then henry went on to marry four more times before his death so that's six in total right and his third wife jane seymour she finally gave him the heir he wanted the male heir and they named him edward the sixth the problem was he became king at the age of nine, and so back then they just used regents, and Edward would have just kind of been like a pawn while these regents made the rules and governed. And they wanted to keep this Protestant religion going that King Henry VIII had started and tried to put somebody in line to be king or queen in case he died that was a Protestant. However, Edward did die at a young age, and Mary now had a plan to get what was rightfully hers. So she eluded a bunch of armies, she fought all of her antagonists, and she rallied supports from nobles all across the country. And actually, she and her sister Elizabeth marched on London. Like, they rode into London on horses and were like, I declare... Surely there's a movie about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The show um, Rain, have you ever seen it? It's about Mary, Queen of Scots, but of Elizabeth mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. So... At the age of 37 in 1553, Mary did become the queen. She married King Philip of Spain. And like her father, King Philip, he needed a male heir. So they uh, tried to have children. And that is where this whole, you know, I said Bloody Mary could appear with a child in her hands. That's kind of where this comes from. Because as soon as they got married, Mary announced that they were with child, but people didn't believe that she could be that fortunate to get pregnant that quickly. And so people were questioning if she was really pregnant. And the time came, the due date came and passed, there was no baby. And until this day, this is one of the most infamous cases of pseudosiesis or phantom pregnancy. So the theory is your mind is such a strong thing that it can convince your body that you're pregnant and you show all the signs and symptoms, your belly gets big, you uh whatever your menstrual cycle stops but you're not actually pregnant subconsciously eating more cheetos 
uh, yeah just to compensate pickles and ice cream something yeah uh this would actually happen two times and by the second time people just you know didn't really believe that she became pregnant anymore Around the time of the second pregnancy, the people of England were divided between the Protestants and Catholics, and Mary wanted the, to unite her people under the true religion, which she believed was Catholicism. And as a result, she signed an act in Christmas of 1554. It was known as the Marian Persecutions, in which an estimated 240 men and 60 women were sentenced as Protestants and burned at the stake. And this is what earned her the name Bloody Mary. She killed a lot of people. I heard that she would even killed pregnant women. It didn't matter. Just if you were Protestant or accused of being Protestant, you died. Um, and then Mary herself eventually died at the age of 42. Most people think she had ovarian or uterine cancer. And that could have been a tumor that made her look pregnant. But she struggled a lot with that. So Jeez. that is our first uh, inspiration behind Bloody Mary. Does that sound? Can you believe that? I can. Get into that theory? Sounds okay. par for the course for most of history. Mm -hmm. So the next one is Queen Mary of Scots. It's what the show Reign is about. It is Henry VIII's niece, so that would make her Mary and Elizabeth's cousin, I guess. And she was used as a pawn by various men to seek political power until she sought protection under her cousin, Queen Elizabeth. However, uh, Elizabeth thought that Mary of Scots was a threat to her throne, so she had Elizabeth imprisoned. And then... I mean, excuse me, Mary in prison. And then on February 8th, 1586, the 44-year-old Mary was beheaded. Uh, this is where we get her theory being a Bloody Mary because it's a bloody one. She went to her death very dignified, they said. She was in a cheery manner, and she even made a joke about never having had such grooms to disrobe her in public. However, her executioner completely botched the job. His first swing, he hit her in the head, like at the back of the head and the skull, not the neck. And then he, the second swing, he hit her in the neck, but failed to sever her head completely. And so then he just had to hit her multiple times, kind of severing the tendons and stuff. And it was very bloody. And then when he was finished, he held her head for the crowd to see and said, God save the queen. And her little gray head, uh, head fell out of her wig and then rolled across the ground. So he ended up just holding like a red wig up in the air. <laughs> And it was very bloody. And that's the, the second theory. What an ending. Mm -hmm. Some say that the legend was inspired by Mary Worth. You remember how I said some people say Mary Worth into the mirror. And that is because she was an accused witch in the Salem Witch Trials. And uh, But I saw that people have gone back and read the ledgers and stuff and they couldn't find her name. So I don't. this sounds kind of just like a myth. But that's where the Mary Worth comes in. And then lastly, the last person we are going to say for the true crime segment because she's probably the bloodiest female murderer i've ever heard of and her name is elizabeth it looks like bathory but it is pronounced uh bauchery mm. no elizabeth bauchery yeah there you go related it, to bathsheba uh-huh no we're not gonna bring her up you, you had your time to shine we're not doing that uh, so b mm -hmm, b the last thing we wanted to discuss before we moved on to the true crime was there is a perfectly logical explanation for why you might see things in the mirror, specifically faces. So there's something known as the Troxler effect. And that basically 
states that the longer you stare in a mirror, the more likely you are to start seeing things that aren't there. Because if your brain focuses on something for a prolonged period of time, there comes a point when your brain adapts or habituation and it gets used to the unchanging stimuli. So your neurons cancel the information out altogether. The image looks blurry. And then until you look around or blink that the image will remain blurry. So Hmm. a similar thing happens if you stare at something that's perfectly white for an extended period of time, you will go temporarily blind. Yeah. Because your brain likes to make up things that aren't there. It has to have some kind of input. And so if you're not giving it any input, it'll just make stuff up. So there was actually a study on a phenomenon known as the strange face in the mirror illusion. And Italian psychologist Giovanni Caputo conducted an experiment in 2010 in which people were asked to enter a dimly lit room and asked to stare at their reflection for 10 minutes. I do not have the attention span for that. But afterwards, they were asked to report what they saw. And of the 50 tested, 66% reported seeing, quote, huge deformations of the face. 48% saw fantastical and monstrous beings, and others described seeing the face of a parent or someone who is deceased, the face of an animal, or the face of an old woman or child. And so our, our brains are, they have a system that interpret faces very easily. We look at faces all day long. This is why we can easily see faces in clouds or just other inanimate objects. Uh, and it would explain why we see the face of a woman or whatever mm-hmm. in a mirror. You know, some somebody, I don't remember who said this, uh, said that if you look into somebody's eyes and create eye contact for maybe it was 10 minutes or something similar. It's supposed to trigger a transcendent experience. You, are we going to try that later? Probably. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Taking this podcast to a new level. So we are going to jump to the break. That was the history of Bloody Mary. And then we'll get on to the true crime and just buckle in because it's a bloody one. Can't wait. Welcome back. No snack break this week. Chase doesn't really like desserts. <laughs> I like snacks, though. We should have gone and cooked those. We bought boiled peanuts in a can, mm. and we should have done that. I'm skeptical. Well, I'll make you some later. Anyway, welcome Hold back. On, pause. Mm-hmm. Boiled peanuts in a can. Yeah, they boiled them, and then they put them in a can in case you don't have time to run to the fair. <sighs> They're really good. Okay. We'll try them later. You're going to love them. We'll see. Okay. Well. Now is the time we're going to talk about Elizabeth Bowtree. She was also known as the Blood Countess, also known as Lady Dracula. All very fitting. Guinness World Records actually named her the most prolific female murderer. And I don't have any, I don't have any hate towards, well, I do. I, I, she's a horrible person, but I mean, I don't have a Guinness World Record. Me neither. You know what I mean? So a, a little bit on her background, Elizabeth Bowtree was born in Hungary on August 7th, 1560 to her parents, Jorge the Sixth Bowtree and Baroness Anna Bowtree. And not surprising for back then, her parents were blood related. And like you said a second ago, the purity of the noble line was top priority. And so that's why they did this. And it's likely that this inbreeding or incest is what caused Elizabeth to be a little cray cray. And we'll get to that. So she was actually descended from multiple noble lineages, which included the King of Poland, who was her uncle. And then she was also related to the Prince of Transylvania. So 
she had a lot of opportunities to name drop if she wanted something sure. to go her way. The Bowtree family name actually traces back to the legendary medieval knight named Vitus. He was said to have fought a dragon, and the villagers were so grateful they bestowed upon him the name Bowtree, which ironically means good hero. I'm going to just go ahead and break it to you. She's not a good hero. She's a bad, bad villain. I assume that was the direction we're going. Mm -hmm. She was raised at the family castle in Exed, Hungary. And coming from this nobility, Elizabeth received the best education and was able to speak Hungarian, Slavic, Greek, Latin, and German. It's a lot. I can halfway speak Spanish. I feel like there's a correlation between high IQ and intelligence and serial killers a lot of times. Yeah, definitely. But she, she was intelligent, but she also had a lot of health issues, mainly being ep- epilepsy. She suffered from violent seizures as well as migraines. And she was also known to just go into violent fits of rage from a very young age. Some stories say that in order to treat her epilepsy, they would use the blood of a non-sufferer, so someone who didn't have epilepsy, and they would get that person's skull, so they would kill them, use their skull and their blood, and rub the blood on Elizabeth's lips. I don't know. (laughs) Facts. Unfortunately for Elizabeth, her family was filled with disturbed people. Her aunt reportedly abused her and then taught her the ways of sadomasochism. Is that how you say that word? I think so. All right. Meanwhile, her uncles taught her about Satanism, and they would often hold dark rituals as a family in the castle, in the family castle. So she's growing up, lots to look up to. Everybody's got a crazy Mm -hmm. uncle. Right. She also grew up during a violent time. I feel like war was just what they did back then. And she witnessed, at a very young age, many violent acts, one of them being... When she was a child, she reportedly watched a gypsy that was accused of theft be sewn inside the belly of a dying horse. What a way to go. Uh, as she watched this, she reported it was reported that she laughed hysterically the entire time. Another time, she watched a peasant revolt leader be burned alive when a hot molten, essentially a lava crown, was placed on top of his head. Watched him burn alive. When she was 10, she was engaged to Ferenc, I'm going to say that's how you say his name, Natasty, who was the son of a baron. However, when Elizabeth was only 13, she became pregnant by a peasant boy who was not, in fact, Fenric. And it is said that he had Elizabeth's lover hunted down, you ready for this, castrated, and then torn into pieces by a pack of wild dogs. And then sewn into a zebra. (laughs) Did they... Is that a stupid question? Did they have zebras back then? When did zebras? Well, I think it's more regional than Yeah, right. Time I just can't imagine back in like medieval times, zebras wandering around. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, Elizabeth was sent away to have the baby girl in secret. She couldn't bring shame upon her family. And she eventually married Fenric. I know I'm saying that wrong, but that's how it looks in my head. In 1575, when she was only 14, some reports say 15, and he was 20. And she actually kept her surname, and he took her name, so Mr. and Mrs. Bowtree, because she outranked him. Hashtag uh, feminism. Your hash, I, right? That's strange for that to occur, during, even if she was richer than him, but it's a bold move. So 
They lived in a castle. I can't pronounce the name of the castle, but it was in Hungary, and it was the wedding gift he had given Elizabeth. And she actually took charge of the estates because he became chief commander of the Hungarian army and was often away for military campaigns. Very fun fact, while I was researching this, I read that he fought alongside John Smith. You know, like the Pocahontas John Smith? Wow. And there's several other stories where John Smith's name will just appear and... I don't know how that happens, but he was apparently everywhere, all over the world. Elizabeth was known to have many affairs and eventually had four to six children, all of which were raised by governesses or nannies. I read one thing that said she was actually a good mother, but given her track record, I'm going to highly doubt that. If being a good mother means, you know, she showed them the ways of torture and sewing people inside horses and zebras, Mm -hmm. then maybe. But it is during this time when her husband was a way that Elizabeth got bored and she needed to find a new way to keep herself amused. Unfortunately for those around her, she didn't take up sewing or gardening or baking. She she chose to torture people to amuse herself. So she had many influences, like I said earlier, that would show her the ways of torturing people the most famous of these being her husband you know he was a war general after all he would show her his favorite methods and it is said that he even built her the torture chamber that exists in the basement of the castle where did she source her people oh chase we're getting to that we're getting to it so that's a great word to sourcing the people she had several people within her court that served under her that were also prosecuted later on for assisting her with her crimes the most popular being Anna Darvulia, who was said to be a witch, and not only a witch, but Elizabeth's lover on the side. And it is Darvulia who assisted with recruiting young peasant girls to come work at the castle. Mm. And that would have been a very coveted job at the time. Uh, I think you could, you know, back then you could be a quote unquote prostitute or, I don't know, work in a, be a bar maiden or something, or you could go work for the baroness in a nice fancy castle so many girls you know jumped on the chance they were dying some would say Mm. to do this and little did they know what what this job would lead to so important to note at this time peasants in the area had recently revolted against the upper class and it was common for nobility to use torture as a means to intimidate the peasants or keep them at bay so torturing the peasants not uh uncommon so how did she torture these people, you ask? Is that, have you been thinking that the whole time? You've just been on the edge of your seat. Yeah, I've been imagining stretching tables and... She didn't have a stretching table, but she did have the following. So she would place rolled up pieces of paper that had oil on them and place them in the person's toes, between the person's toes, and then light the paper on fire. So they slowly burned to death. Mm. That was one of the ways. There were also reports that her husband gave her this clawed glove and that she would use it to scratch the faces of her servants. Plot twist, you didn't know that this was also the origin of uh, Freddy Krueger. See? Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It really probably wasn't. But she once wrote to her husband and stated that her servant, Thorko, had taught her a new method of cursing quote, beat a black hen to death, then smear the blood on your enemy or his clothes to condemn him. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Other forms of torture included making the person strip naked and then tying them down outside in the winter. So essentially they froze to death. Or if it was summer, 
the person would be stripped naked, covered in honey, and then tied down outside for the ants and insects, just essentially to be eaten alive. I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. that That's one of the worst, in my opinion, just insects crawling all over Slow you. Slow death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, sewing mouth shut burning genitals, sticking needles underneath the fingernails. There are even reports that she had a hot iron that would she would stick up the female, you know what I'm talking about, into her nether regions. She would deprive them of water so that they would become dehydrated and then make them urinate and drink their own pee. Mm. Mm-hmm. If she was too tired to get out of bed, that, that wasn't a problem. She would just have the servants brought to her bedside, and there is one documented tale where she brought this young girl in, and she took a chunk out of her cheek, then her shoulder, and then both of her breast. So, what possesses people? Hmm. It's, a, it's that inbreeding man. It does something to your head. So, and one young girl had the misfortune of upsetting Bowtree. Uh, she was stripped naked and placed in a suspended cage that had several inward-facing spikes. And Bowtree would then swing the cage back and forth, and the girl would just be impaled over and over and over again. That's probably the worst, besides the bugs. She especially liked the younger girls, specifically virgins around like the age 12 to 14, but this did not stop her from torturing older women. And there's one account that she became mad at one of her older servants, and she punished her by having her carry around a log that had a diaper on it. And while she did this, Elizabeth would scream at her, suckle your child, you whore. A diaper? A diaper. Yeah, where did they... I mean, I guess it's like a cloth situation, mm. but it's that's just degrading. Yeah. It's better than the rest, but it's degrading, embarrassing. Right. The most famous thing about Elizabeth Bowtree, if people have heard of her, the legend is that she bathed in blood. And this is where that comes from. So one day there was a servant brushing her hair, Elizabeth's hair, when she accidentally snagged a piece Elizabeth became livid and started hitting the servant so hard until she drew blood. And so then later that night, she noticed on the spots on her skin where the blood had been that her skin looked more youthful and felt softer. I see where this is going. Uh-huh. And, and at that point, she just had to have it. So it is said that she became obsessed with the blood. She began bathing in it, drinking it out of golden flask. There are such things you can get blood facials these days. So That's a thing? Mm-hmm. I, you know, your blood has like a lot of oxygen in it. I don't know. I could see it being, I don't know if it's human blood though. I don't know. We'll research it. Mm. While Fenric was away from home, he became ill with an unknown disease. I read some reports that said he died from an infected wound that he received after being stabbed by a sex worker after he did not pay for his services. Nevertheless, before he died, he sent a letter to Elizabeth's cousin. His name was Yorkie Thurzo. He was a palatine of Hungary, like a some type of person in leadership. And he requested that Yorkie look after Elizabeth and the children and the estates. And then Fenric died in 1604. And then somehow, I don't even see how this is possible, after her husband's death, Elizabeth became even more violent. And because she became more violent, people started to die. Lots more people started to die. And as the body count began to rise, people around town became a little bit sus, especially, specifically a Lutheran minister. The bodies would be put into coffins, nailed shut, and then sent to the church to be buried. And he couldn't see them because the coffin had been nailed shut, so you couldn't see the signs of torture. And when he, he went to ask Elizabeth about it, she said that the girls just died of cholera. So 
played it off and nobody really looked into it because these were just peasant women and unfortunately peasant women were not deemed, you know, worthy of investigation. Right. So word got out that servants who went to Elizabeth's castle didn't come back. I'm sure that news traveled quickly and she found that not as many girls were willing to sign up to work for her in the castle. So she had to, she became desperate and had to turn to noble families uh, to their to their girls, and this would eventually be what would cause her downfall. So that that was a bold bold move because you know, people in nobility have lines and could speak to the king and get an investigation going. So by the end of 1609, Elizabeth Bowtree had established it's called, I've never heard of this word a gynecium. And after all that talk about things getting shoved in the thing. <laughs> I thought it was like a gynecologist's office, but it's not. It's an etiquette school for young noble women, so they would go to the castle and learn the ways of the baroness. I wonder if that is somehow where you get the word gynecologist. I don't know. We'll look it up. Yeah, I'll check that out. She may have opened the school due to mounting debts, debts, excuse me, but most people believe that she opened the school because she was running out of victims, peasant victims. Mm. Soon enough, the school opened. These noble girls started going missing. Elizabeth always had an excuse. One time she said that one of the girls in the school went crazy and murdered several of the girls before committing suicide herself. She also loved the cholera excuse, which is believable because it was a pandemic and people died of cholera. But few believed her as more and more girls started going missing. And these noble families uh, reached out to King, the King of Hungary, Matthias II. And he instructed Count Jorge Thurzo, which is Elizabeth's cousin that was instructed to watch after her, to investigate the allegations against her. Uh, Bowtree knew of the charges against her, and she did try to come up with more stories. For instance, she brought a mother of one of the schoolgirls that had died to trial and said this, or excuse me, the woman gave testimony that her daughter had died of natural causes and not beating by Elizabeth Daughtry, but I'm sure she was blackmailed in some way or given a reward. And this didn't stop Thurzo and his men from going to the castle on December 29th, 1610. And as his letters would later detail, they essentially tripped over bodies going into the castle. There were bodies everywhere, even in some of the castle's fireplaces. Some reports even say that he found Elizabeth in the act in her torture chamber, blood on her hands, torturing the young girls. And in a letter to his wife, Thurzo said, when my men entered the castle as Sajaj Manor, they found a girl dead in the house. Another followed in death as a result of many wounds and agonies. In addition to this, there was also a wounded and tortured woman there. The other victims were kept hidden away where the stamped woman prepared these future martyrs. Why do you think it was predominantly focused on females? I guess it's harder to kill a man. And she could have been like, it could have been like a sexual thing. She was got a high out of it. Hmm. Um, in another letter, this person that had witnessed what she had done said, she burned some of them on the abdomen with a red hot iron. Others she seated in a large earthen tank and poured boiling water over them and scalded the skin in this way, causing them to suffer. The same witness who had also frequently seen the appearances of the virgins in her retinue disfigured and covered with blue spots from numerous blows. So there's lots of different accounts written down. You can uh, look at her letters that she wrote her husband where she basically confessed to doing these things. Did she bathe in blood? 
that might be myth. There's no actual documentation of that, but she was a murderer. Is there any record of her husband pushing back on this or questioning her not actions? That I, not or? that I know of. Yeah. And it seems likely that he would help because yeah. he was a war general, but I don't know. After her arrest, Thurzo continued to take in witness statements, and he amassed over 300 different testimonies and reports. That's a lot. And in the end, he attributed 80 victims to Bowtree, although some claim that her that sh- there were over 600 victims, and she kept a little journal they found that had 600 names listed. So that is a lot. I don't even know 600 people. Right. That's like an entire village back then, mm-hmm. or multiple villages. He finally arrested Elizabeth and all of her servants on December 30th, 1609. However, Thurzo felt kind of guilty because this was his cousin and he had promised Fenric that he would look after her. So he made a deal with Bowtree's relatives that she wouldn't be brought to trial because that would be an embarrassment to the Bowtree family. And instead, she would basically be put on house arrest and locked away in her castle. Her co-conspirators, they were not as lucky because in 1611, they were found guilty and executed as accomplices. Two of the servants actually received a formal sentence of torture and had their fingers individually torn out with hot pinchers before being burned alive. Sounds like a good time. Darvulia, she actually died of a stroke before the arrests were made, so she didn't get the punishment she deserved. But lucky. Like I said, Elizabeth was sentenced to house arrest, and she. I read that the tower didn't have any windows. There was just a slot in the door for food. And that is where she lived for three years until she died in August 1614 at the age of 54. The night before, the guard reported that she had, Elizabeth had complained that her hands were cold, and then they found her dead on the floor the next morning. I don't know what that could be. If Maybe she was losing sensation on one side. Could have been a stroke. I don't know. So despite all of the seemingly abundant evidence about Bowtree, she some believe she may have been the victim of a conspiracy because King Matthias II actually owed her a lot of money. She was so rich that she had lent the crown itself money. And if she died and he was able to sentence her, he could get, you know, wouldn't have to pay that back. Or just the fact that she was a very prosperous, well-to-do woman and People didn't like that back then. Men were supposed to be in charge. They believed that they this whole conspiracy could have been brought upon her that she did this. So she she would die or be imprisoned and whatnot. And then her family could also, they could have split the land up among her family, the men and her family too. So, hmm. But there's lots of evidence and documents and lots of bodies that were going Tribute missing. Yeah. yeah. And they normally wouldn't nail the coffin shut and nobody could, you know. To question it, yeah. And then Yorhi went into the castle and there were a bunch of dead bodies. So. It was a weird time back then. Mm. Now that's the bloodiest female murderer we've talked about so far. So aren't you just so excited you got to sit in on that? Can't wait to see her in my mirror. Oh, yeah. You're going to try that? Try it after no. we get done? Mm-hmm. No. I did that around like the age of 12, 13. And I never stuck around enough, long enough to see uh, old Bloody Mary in the mirror. But if you were wondering if you did play that game growing up, that is where she came from. I hope you enjoyed Maybe Chase will come back and make a reappearance. I know Hannah's having the baby soon, and we need guest hosts. We have a couple lined up, but I'm going to make him do it some more. Don't worry. Oh, I think we're going to go eat some soup I just made, and I hope you enjoyed this week's Scary Tales. Next week, have your fingers crossed. Hannah will be back. We'll release what we've been working on. We have a special one-year anniversary thing we wanted to work on and release. And until then, 
be safe and stay spooky, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.